Well, thank you, Kayla. Hey, would you help me thank Kayla and Preston Kegley for preaching so well the last couple of weeks while I took some vacation? Would you help me thank, thank them? Um, it was good to, uh, to be with my family over the, the last part of the holidays and to know that uh, this place was in great hands uh, with our staff here. Uh, as I'm coming back into uh, the rhythm of life here in, in ministry here at Eastside in the city of Anderson and central Indiana and quite honestly the world, um, this new series for you. Um, in addition to following some of the teachings from James Bryan Smith's book, which we do hope that you will be in a small group, or if you don't want to be in a small group, you just want to buy the book and follow along yourself, you can talk to the folks at the information table. We have some copies of those available out in the connecting place for you today. But, but the, the biblical foundation for this series is the Sermon on the Mount. And, and it's this understanding that in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is telling people how much God is for them, that God is actually for you. And here at Eastside, over the years, uh, for the 70 years now that Eastside has been active uh, as a congregation, it's been amazing how God has used this place. And over the next several Sundays, I'm going to start each week by, by sharing with you just a few things that God is doing through Eastside Church. And this last year, in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, you know, there's the, it's a two-year pandemic, right? Uh, and, and so you kind of, the first year, everybody's in shock. This is, this is what's going on. We have to kind of figure it out. And then the, by the second year, you're going, oh, okay, now maybe we can figure out how we make ministry happen in a little better way. And so I did a little bit of polling through our staff of ways that Eastside has demonstrated for the city of Anderson in particular how, how we have been for the people of Anderson, for the people of Madison County. And, and there are four things I want to share with you this morning before I launch into the sermon, just so you can know that if you're a part of this community, whether you're with us on campus every week or online every Sunday or on demand through the week, you're a part of a body of believers that is committed to lifting up Jesus Christ as Savior for the lost, as Lord of the church, and as reconciler for the world so that people can discover hope. And we try to do it in some very practical ways. And this series for you is, is really designed to help all of us not only understand that God is for us, but that God is for everyone. And that he gives us this hope in Jesus Christ that we can share with those around us. And we'd want to do it in practical ways. So here are four things that, that have happened in the last year, in 12 months. The Shine the Light Tour at Christmas, uh, when we realized we couldn't safely gather for a, a major Christmas production like we've done in the past with our Imagine Christmas. And this was the second year. We, we were trying to think as a staff what we could do. And, and so we came up with this idea of the Shine the Light Tour. And the Shine the Light tour map was accessed over a thousand times during the holiday season, which either means one of two things. It either means that a thousand different people went through the, the Facebook notification or the email or the website and they clicked on the map to take them to the houses that were lit up with the lights for the Christmas story, or it means one of you got stuck with your finger on the button a thousand times. We're somewhere in between there, all right? We, we want you to know that that, that website that map was accessed a thousand times, over a thousand times. The other thing we want you to know is this. Eastsiders contributed over $11,000 
in November and December for Christmas families this year. And this year, we partnered, much of that was partnered with Operation Love, along with some other churches in the city. Um, and Operation Love was able, with that partnership, to give gifts. And I mean, when we were giving out the distribution, there were bicycles. I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not talking about Tonka toys. We're talking about gifts, all right? Um, and these guys were awesome to give gifts and to give food vouchers and to give them groceries and a Christmas meal and Operation Love. Some of, many of you volunteered at Operation Love and, and many of you gave and they, they actually provided Christmas for 300 families with almost 700 children in our community in that. And you were a part of that, letting people know that Jesus is for them. Uh, the third thing is this, that um, Jakara's Closet, every week on the pre-roll, whether you're online or on campus, you see this thing that comes up that says Jakara's Closet. And we've been doing this now for a few years as a partnership with Anderson Community Schools. And I, I kept watching through the pandemic. Now, I don't know if it's because some of you were quarantined at home and because you now cleaned out your closets because you had all the time at home. But all I know is every time I'd walk in the door, it seemed like there were more and more bags of clothes being donated. And what Jakara's Closet is, is a, is a process where children who are, who are students in the Anderson Community School System, they if, they, if they show up in class and maybe they don't have a warm coat or maybe their shoes are not matching or maybe they're worn out or something that the teacher notices. Without embarrassing the student, this is a, this is a clothing pantry that's housed at a central location within the, the Anderson Community School System. And we're the church that provides, uh, there are one or two other organizations in the city, but, but as far as churches, east side's the church that provides. And so many of you bring in your gently used clothing. Now, here's the fun part of that. It, it helps those families, but, but it also helps some of our, our challenged students in the system who are, who are mentally challenged and they're in the special design classes so that, for instance, every pair of shoes that is brought in is that these students are taught how to, how to utilize their skills to clean and refurbish and renew the clothing that's brought in. Uh, and that was the, when, when the school system took me through the, and toured that when it first began, that was the part that, that just blew me away was that there, there were these students who, when I was, when I was a, a young man going to, to high school, these, these were the students that quite honestly didn't have a place to fit in. Uh, mentally, their, their challenges were, were difficult enough. They, they couldn't do the regular curriculum. And our school system here has created this amazing curriculum that allows these, these students an opportunity to learn skills. And Jakar's Closet, the donations are brought in. These students use their skills in, and, and what they've developed to then make them. And then there's a, a store, that, a couple of rooms that are set up like a store for, for these families to come in. And, and they're helping about two families or more a week. In fact, over the last year, about 100 families in our community school system have received clothing for their, for their children because of you. And I just wanna say thank you for, for doing that. And then the fourth thing is this. We partner with the um, 10th Street Elementary and the Second Harvest Food Bank 
to once a month on the last, next to last Thursday of the month to, uh, to do a food distribution. Now, before the pandemic, uh, we, we had a whole system set up in the gym at the 10th Street Elementary School, and, and the families would come in, and many of you, many of you volunteered in that, and I'm so grateful uh, for way, the way you helped with that. And during the pandemic, it just wasn't safe because what they would do is they would come in and they would get shopping carts, and they would literally go around and, and pick up the food uh, that they needed, and the food bank provided all of that, and we provided the volunteers, and 10th Street provided the, the opportunity. And then when pandemic hit, then we had to figure out a new way. And 10th Street Elementary and the food bank came up with a way that we don't need quite as many volunteers as we needed before then because now the people drive up on that same Thursday of the month, that third Thursday of the month, they drive up and then the trunks open and, and we have volunteers who place the food in the trunk for them so it's contactless delivery. And I know that there are some other schools in the system now that do it, but the, the very first one, the pioneer of that effort, was 10th Street Elementary, and the others have been patterned after it. And this, during the pandemic, during 2021, actually, just this last year, over 1,500 people received food from the 10th Street Elementary Food Pantry, and you were a part of that. And I just wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you for the way, as a congregation, you make a difference with your tithes and offerings and your special gifts, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the weeks to come, about the way you've responded in some amazing ways. But this morning, I also know that our hospitals are extremely full. In fact, I know that both of our local hospitals, their emergency rooms are on what is called deferment, which means that unless you're in just really, really bad shape, they're gonna send you on to another hospital. And so this morning, in light of all the wonderful things God's allowed us to do in the pandemic, and trusting that God is gonna continue to, to invite us forward to, to show people that he is for them, I'm gonna ask you right now to pray with me, and then we're gonna launch into what God's word has to say about God being for us. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we gather as your people some of us on campus, many of us online, many of our families right now suffering from COVID or other sicknesses. God, we're in, a, we're in a, the midst of a surge of illness. And we're grateful for vaccinations. We're grateful for healthcare workers. We're, we're particularly asking you to, to bless doctors and nurses and technicians and and all those who are working to help keep people safe. But God, we also know that you're the divine healer. You're the one who gives every doctor their skills. You're the one that gives every nurse the heart of compassion. You're the, you're the one who provides all the resources for us. Without you, there is no healing. And so we're asking you right now to begin to provide healing. Healing for those who believe there's a pandemic and those who are still in denial. Healing for those who have COVID, for those who've had COVID, and Lord, for those who've yet to experience it, we're grateful and we thank you. But Lord, we pray for wisdom. But most of all, we pray for your healing of us and your healing for the world. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. There's a, there's a colloquialism. That, that, that's a word that means people say things in a certain way in certain places. I learned a lot of colloquialisms growing up because my father was a pastor 
and I went to eight different schools before I got out of high school because my father would either change churches or the church would build a new parsonage in a different school zone. <laughs> or my school zone would get reassigned. And so I learned a lot of different things in Mississippi and Illinois and Kentucky and Texas and Tennessee and, and all the places that I lived. And, and, I, and, and one of them, however, there, there's, there's one, I've heard it here in Indiana. It's an Indiana colloquialism. Maybe it's bigger than that, but I heard it here. Here it is, maybe you've heard it. You come up to somebody and say, how you doing? And they say, I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream, okay? And, and I, I always wanna look at them and say, whose dream? I mean, what do you mean, I'm living the dream? And what's that really mean? I mean, is it your mama's dream for you? Is it your spouse's dream for you? Whose dream is it that you're living? Tomorrow's the Martin Luther King holiday nationally. And around the country, there will be gatherings like there will be here in Anderson of people remembering the impact of Dr. King's life and ministry. I, I, as a young man born in the South whose father helped plant the, the first multiracial congregation of the Church of God in the state of Mississippi in the 1970s, I've been around reconciliation ministries my whole life. And, um, and to be real candid with you, um, I, I know most of the words to that famous I Have a Dream speech that Dr. King shared 69 years ago, or 59 years ago this August, almost 60 years. And, um, and, and that's a, an amazing speech. And it was an amazing dream. But if we're really honest, if we're really honest, mo most of us would have to admit that our country's a long way from living out that dream. We're a long way from places where people are judged on the merit of their character instead of the color of their skin. We're a long way in a lot of places from that dream. Even though we can quote the speech, even though we can embrace the ideal, the, the practicalities of living out the dream, the, those, things, those things are hard. So it's important to know whose dream you're trying to live out. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus, Jesus gathered on a, a mountainside and thousands of people who had been following his early ministry came to hear him on that mountainside. And just like thousands of people gathered at the Washington Mall and heard Dr. King share a dream, Jesus had many more people even than that gather on the mountainside to hear him share his dream of what life would look like for people who followed God with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and loved their neighbor as themselves. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter five and chapter six and chapter seven. And this morning, we're gonna launch this series which will basically over the next few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna spend time in those three chapters. And I encourage you to, to begin in your devotions to read those chapters of Matthew's gospel. But we're gonna start at the end. We're gonna, we're gonna go to the end of the, of the speech, at the end of the sermon and I wanna read for you the way Jesus concludes all of these amazing teachings that he shares about how God is for his people. Listen, it'll be on the screens. Or maybe you've got your Bible with you. 
or you wanna pull it up on your device. But here's, here's the way Jesus summed up everything that he had been teaching, and there's a bunch of stuff the next few weeks. We're gonna really, really dive into this. But listen to what he says, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Jesus concludes all of this teaching from the Sermon on the Mount by looking at the crowd and saying, listen, it's not enough that you gathered here today. It's not enough that you've heard me say these things that come from the heart of your heavenly Father. It's not enough that you understand the juxtaposition between what I'm saying to you and what you've learned from the scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders of your day. It's not enough that you just hear this. You have to do this. Blessed is the person who hears and does. And then he pulls an illustration out of the culture and the geography of where they were living because he talks about the fact that there's one person, the person who hears what Jesus is saying and does them is like a person who builds a house on a solid foundation. But the person who hears what Jesus is saying says amen to it, agrees with it, builds their house on a foundation that's not solid. Years ago, when the Church of God International Convention was held here in Anderson every year, over in what used to be referred to as Warner Auditorium, it's since been torn down. I was uh, sitting with my wife, Becky, when the father of a friend of mine was speaking. I'd kind of been looking forward to hearing my friend's dad preach. He was a pretty well-known speaker within the Church of God, and he had great gifts as an orator. And as he was preaching to that crowd of thousands of people gathered in that auditorium one evening, there was a gentleman uh, sitting a few rows ahead of us who must have had a very long day because that's, those came, conventions started with like an early morning prayer meeting that would begin. Sue, you used to run that. What, 5 a.m. they'd start praying, something like that? And this service started at like 7, and by the time the preacher got there, it was like 8 o'clock at night. This poor man had been down on the grounds the whole day. And as he was, as he was there... And this great orator is speaking, and it's a great sermon. This man, I noticed, he, he had this little thing going. He, he, he would kind of, he's sitting there, and he would start to drift to sleep. And, and you've never done that in one of my sermons, I know, all right? And, 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 and I trust. But, but as, he was, as he was there, just weary from the day of religious activity, he would begin to just nod. And, and here's what would happen. 
I'm gonna turn profile so you can see that. You guys are the cameras, make sure you get this, okay? So he would not, and I could see him, and as his eyes would get heavy and his head would start to relax, the moment, the, the moment his chin would hit his chest, he'd wake up. And when he woke up, he would go, amen. Now, this encouraged my friend's father because he's getting this verbal feedback and he's getting this amen until they're in the point of the sermon where my friend's father makes a statement that is designed to be a rhetorical question with a negative answer. The speaker says, do we want to be people who do this and that guy, the timing was awesome. He just, his chin, just as there's this silence where we're all under conviction by the Holy Spirit. No, we don't ever want to be people like that. This poor brother who's been asleep, now his chin hits the chest and he goes, amen. <laughs> and now my friend on the platform is so stunned that he just stops, looks over at the brother sitting there and says, no, sir. We do not want to be people like that. What Jesus is saying to the people on the mountainside, what Jesus is saying to us 2,000 years later is that, listen, it's not enough just to listen. At some point in time, you have to act on what you've heard. So as we're in the middle of the third surge of a global pandemic, some of us trying to learn the letters of the Greek alphabet so we can have an idea when we get to the end of this thing, I thought perhaps it would be good for us to spend a few weeks looking at what it means to be people who are for other people and who help people understand the most important thing Jesus ever taught his disciples and the people who listened to him. And that is this, God is for you. God is for you. And just so you know, I, I've spent some time trying to figure this out about how to help us all remember that God is for us. And I've come up with hand signals this is a hand, we're, we're creating an east side secret handshake that we're gonna use for the next few months, maybe the next year, in order to help people understand that God is not against them, God is for them. The church is not against them, the church is for them. We're living in a culture right now that, that, that believes that they can do better without God. So here's the secret handshake, are you ready? For you. All right, now you have to use both hands. Some, some of you are looking at me like, what? No, you're going to practice this. Put your Bible down, all right? Put your device down. You're gonna, those of you on campus, those of you listening online, or if you're later in the week on demand, if you're driving a car, do not do this, all right? It takes both hands. But here's what it is. For you. All right, come on. I, I see the soccer guys over here. Okay, here, here we go. For, for you. For you. Keep thinking about it. Practice it this week. 
Because what I'm inviting you to do is to be someone who doesn't just hear what Jesus says, but who actually does what Jesus says. And what I'm inviting you to do is to build your house on a solid foundation. That's what we're gonna look at for the next few weeks. What does it mean to have a solid foundation? And, and right now, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the world has to recalibrate. As people of God, as followers of Jesus, we have to help the world understand that God is for you. And if you're here today and, and, and you've been struggling, maybe you've been shamed or guilted or you've failed sinfully in horrible ways and you've got this unbelievable burden on your life and you're thinking nobody cares about you. You've been abandoned by your family. You've been shut out by your friends. Whatever that is, what you've got to know is Jesus wants you to know that God is for you. He believes in you. He made you. He knows you. And even though he knows your most horrible secret, the one you don't think anybody else knows, he is still for you. And he's there to help you. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. Somewhere along the way, we got the idea that, that God is just this person who judges us. And there's no greater need in the world right now than for, than for there to be an understanding that, that God is for you. Uh, my wife and I uh, like movies that are like spy adventures. You know, I'm talking about Mission Impossible, James Bond, all of that. And a few years ago, uh, one came out called Night and Day. Some of you know this movie. It stars Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Now, I'm not confessing anything. I'm just relaying that my wife probably likes it because Tom Cruise is in it. And I probably like it because Cameron Diaz is in it. But we both love that movie for one thing. In fact, that movie gets quoted in our house more than any other movie we've ever watched. Do you know why? Because in the plot of that movie, Tom Cruise is a secret agent. And Cameron Diaz is this innocent party who gets drawn into this global conspiracy and Tom Cruise, she's going to get killed for what she knows that she doesn't know that she knows and, and Tom Cruise is gonna rescue her and there's a place in this movie where he's trying to convince her that she's better off with him than without him. In fact, what he says to her is that with me, you're gonna live. Without me, you're gonna die. And in this movie, there's, there's a place where she keeps going, I don't know you, I don't really wanna be around you, I'm gonna leave, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I can do it myself. And in that movie, here's, here's this, the scene, Tom Cruise is looking at her, you can Google it, it actually comes up. If you Google up, and here, here it's, 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 it's just four words, but the hand motion makes the whole thing. Because what Cruise says to her is this, with me, without me. With me, without me. If you're with me, you're gonna live. If you're without me, you're gonna die. So you got a choice to make. Are you with me or without me? My friends, we've been trying for 24 months to figure out a virus, the reaction. We've been trying for 24 months to, to watch a culture shift and try to figure it out in a culture that has basically quit being indifferent to Christianity. I mean, for years and years and years, for decades in the 20th century, the church was a main part of society. 
And then somewhere about 60 years ago, when I was a little kid, there came this sense in which people became, they just became oblivious to Christianity. It was kind of neutral. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It just, you know, if you want to believe, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. It got translated in the 21st century as you do you, I'll do me. And culturally, we kind of drifted from this place where, where Christian morals were very much a part of the culture to the point where it's like, well, it's just a pluralism. It's just one or the other. But in the last 20 years, the last 10 in particular, in our culture, it's shifted to the fact that it's not just a, a, a sense in which Christian values are, are, are something you could take or leave. No, no, no. Culturally right now, Christian values are wrong. Christian values, biblical values. And I'm not talking about the church as an institution. I'm talking about the biblical values. The, the things that are, that are taught by Scripture are not just like, well, if you want to believe them, you go ahead and believe them. No, no. If you believe them, don't you dare impose them on me because you're wrong. So we've gone from an understanding that God is for you to a belief system that says God is against us. And see, I only think there's one way for us to figure out. I think it's like the night and day movie, Cameron Diaz, Tom Cruise. I think Jesus is looking at the world and he's saying, hey, look, with me, without me. It's your choice. And that's why it's so imperative that we, that we help people understand that not only is the message of Christianity that God is for you, but also, and this is going to be the hard part, this is the part where you choose whether to build your house on the rock or build your house on the sand. That I am for you. Yeah. See, in, in a world where Christian values are disdained, the only way people discover that Jesus really is for them is if you're for them. If they can see it in you, that, that in your life you are for them. And, and so, over these next few weeks, maybe months, as a body of believers, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to invite you to look for ways to let people know not only that God is for them, but that you're for them, that you believe in them. Now, I know, I know some of them have hurt you. I know some of them don't share your values. I know that some of them literally are against you. But what I know is Jesus told us that even when someone wrongs us, even when someone, the word is despitefully uses us, he calls us to love them. See, I learned a long time ago because I have two brothers that loving you doesn't mean I always agree with you. In fact, sometimes in order to let you know that I really love you, I have to tell you where I disagree with you. Of course, if you've never been wrong, your name is Jesus. Hi, my name is Carrie. But the fact is, if you really love somebody, it doesn't mean you always agree with what they're doing. And you've got to figure that out. 
How do we become people whose posture is that we are for people? Because the God who's for us is for those same people. Even in their brokenness, even in their sinfulness, even in their obliviousness to what's happening and what they're contributing to it. The other thing I, I want to invite you to journey with us on is something that, that I think is the answer to everything we see in our society right now and the cultural deceival. The, 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 just, the, the upheaval, the, the, the sense of shift. I think it's the greatest opportunity that we've ever had for those of us who follow Jesus to let people around us know that the people of God are for you. It's not just that God's for people. It's not just that I'm for you, but the people of God are for you. Now I know this is gonna be the hardest thing. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to put these words together for us this week. Because my initial thing was, you need to tell people the church is for them. You actually heard me say that a few minutes ago. That's my default setting. The problem is this. So many people have been wounded by the institutional church. So many people have disdain for the organizational structure of the church that they don't, they, they don't and won't ever believe that an institution or an organization is for them. But what they can believe is that someone else is for them. And if the people of God become the people who let others know that the reason I'm for you, the reason I'm telling you God is for you is because of what he has done in my life, then the people of God are the ones who have been given the commission, who've been given the opportunity, who've been given the open door to say to people, not only am I for you, but all the people who love Jesus with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and love him, their neighbor as they love themselves, those, those people are for you. In fact, I, for those of you who are students, for those of you who are, who are interested in history, I, I would suggest that you need to do some checking of, of history because I want to make a suggestion to you. I think when you make your history study, you're going to discover something amazing. Every time that culture, human culture on this earth has gone through a shift as major as the shift you're living through and I'm living through right now, this is not just a temporary thing, y'all. This thing is shifting every part of our society. Economics, sociology, education, business, all of it, church. Everything is shifting. But if you go back in human history and you find the places where it's shifted before because it has shifted multiple times throughout our history, do you know where the help came from? It didn't come from an organization. It didn't come from humanitarian aid. It didn't come from a think tank. It didn't come from an educational institution. It didn't come from any institution. It came from the people of God who knew that God was for them and God was for their neighbor and God was for people. And they began to live in a way in their small corner of the world, in their neighborhood, in their classroom, in their dormitory, in their business place, in their city, in their region. They began to live with the belief that God was for them and God was for their neighbor and that meant they needed to be for their neighbor. You see, 
John, the beloved disciple, says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus loved us first. And so over these next few weeks, I, I want to encourage you to start looking for ways to let people know that you are you're for them, for you. And in fact, I, I want to suggest four ways that you can let them know you are for them. All right? The first one, well, they're going to put two of them up on the screen. Here we go. The first is words of affirmation. Okay? Learn to bite your tongue. Learn to grit your teeth and smile at the person who's rude to you. And then learn to find some way of being nice to them. A few years ago, my wife and I were on a little road trip. I pulled up at a McDonald's. I wanted an ice cream cone. I went through the drive-thru. I said, I want one ice cream cone. When we got to the window, the young man who was working the window, who was obviously very new at the job, handed me an ice cream cone with no ice cream. Just an ice cream cone. It's what I said I wanted. Now I had a choice at that moment. One was to look at him and say, are you an idiot? I mean, the picture has ice cream in it, you know. But instead, I just looked at him, smiled, paid him the full price, took the ice cream cone, and drove away. Looked at my wife and said, I'm saving this sermon illustration for a long time from now. Because here's what I want you to know. You've got to find words of affirmation. The second thing is this. You need to find hearts that listen, not just to the words, but to the heart. Don't, don't listen to somebody in order to come back with a rebuttal. Don't listen to somebody in order to just tell them whether you're right and they're wrong. Don't even listen to be analytical. Just listen. This is the hardest thing for me. Because so many times there are people who ask me for an answer and there's a temptation because I've done the work and I've done the study and I've got the experience to give them the answer. Because after all, my name's Kerry and I'm right. That's a joke. You're supposed to laugh there. But the reality is what they really need is me to listen to their heart. The third thing I'd encourage you to, to do is to Live your life with acts of kindness. Now, what do I mean by that? Give small gifts. Pay for the Starbucks for the person behind you or for the meal for the person to McDonald's or wherever it is you go through the drive-thru. Learn what your neighbor really likes. Find a way to, to get them the favorite ice cream that they like. Just give it to them as a gift. Or... Or find ways to just give small acts of kindness to the people around you. The last thing is acts of service. I talked to you about the food pantry and Operation Love. There are a host of organizations in this city 
here at the church, there are lots of places where people can serve. But you need to find the place for you to serve. It may be in the church. It may be somewhere else. Some of you, your life is serving. If you're a nurse or a, or a technician or a doctor right now, just know that, that there are hundreds of us who are praying for you. And maybe your act of service is to pray specifically for one of those healthcare professionals. Maybe your act of service is to pray for a school teacher you know. Here's one. Maybe it's to pray for your school teacher, kids. Whatever it is, find ways to give words of affirmation, gifts and acts of kindness. Listen with your heart. Acts of service. Because I believe the answer for all we've got going right now is for the people of God to once again rise up in the midst of a major culture shift and say, God is for you. I am for you. And the people of God who cannot be contained in a political party, who cannot be contained in some kind of fundamentalist paradigm, but who are the people of God who follow the Jesus of the New Testament, those people are for you.